listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're in a series entitled Battle Ready, and while you're still standing, I'm going to have you read this uh, portion of scripture with me that's found out of the book of Ephesians. This is our battle scripture. I'm going to kind of move over here out of the way. I'm going to do my best, even though I have the words right here in front of me to read them correctly so that I don't mess you up as you read them as well. Unlike last week, that was a guest speaker. I'm the regular speaker, so we'll give it a shot. Okay, you ready to read this with me? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Come on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. Oh, did I fail? You failed. Okay. Withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints. Come on, give yourself a hand for a great job well done. Now, before you're seated, and this is not an endorsement for anything Hollywood, but growing up, there were a lot of battle movies that I appreciated that I was around. Um, I mean, Rocky's really a battle movie, right? That's one, I remember going to my first movie with my friend alone, and we saw Rocky, and we did a fake fight out in the parking lot afterwards while singing, you know, the the theme song. Um, And I've grown up with all sorts of those types of movies. One of my favorites, again, don't judge me for this, uh, but is Braveheart. I just love that movie. The war paint, the tribal fight for your family, fight for what's right, push off oppression, someone trying to rule your life, someone trying to put you in shackles. There's a scene there where uh, William Wallace rides up on the army Uh, that belongs to the men of Scotland. They're a rough, kind of not well-armed group of men. And on the opposing side of the field are uh, the armies of of England. And in the process, they're well-arrayed. They're in great array to fight the battle. William Wallace rides up and uh, he addresses his army that doesn't even really know him. And he says, sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. And someone, a younger soldier out of the crowd yells, William Wallace is seven feet tall. And Wallace says, yes, I've heard this. He kills men by the hundreds. And if he were, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolt of lightnings from his backside. Those of you who know in the movie, you were wondering where I was going with that. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What would you do without freedom? Will you fight? A voice echoes out of the crowd that's looking at this opposing army that's well arrayed. 
looking at its own army that's got pitchforks and hammers. And he responds, said, fight against that? No, we will run and we will live. And William Wallace responds, he says, and I, I could never redo this. I wanted to show it. I couldn't, we didn't have the copyright to it. I was trying to find a reason to break copyright, but I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> I fight and you may die, run, and you will live at least for a little while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. I tell you what, when I watch that scene, their spiritual undertone just reverberate in my soul. The fight that we are all in, the fight for our freedom, the fight that we experience for God's very best. And that desire to back away and say, no, I could survive and not fight, but understanding that there's something better. A desire not only to fight for what is rightfully mine, but what is rightfully my family's, what is rightfully yours, and what is rightfully coming to those who have yet to walk in the door, the fact that we will fight for God's best for their lives. And so there's this response that comes from the soldiers that you might not notice, but it's Abba Gubra, Abba Gubra. And what they're chanting is their war cry, which says, Scotland forever. And that is their war cry. So the title of my message is Sound Your War Cry. I'm begging you, in a world that has become passive, that does not speak up, that has been pushed back and sits down, sound your war cry. Because without that, the battle does not begin and there is no victory to be gained. So hand over your heart like a good warrior. I had to change some of the images. I got some grief from one of our young women, and she's like, there's a little bit too much flesh going on in some of the pictures you showed. So anyways, <laughs> Father, I thank you for these good warriors in this house. I thank you for people who have either experienced the great master and commander, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on their behalf to fight for their future, their freedom, but also their present. God, I pray that you'll cause that inner war cry to rise up as they look out across their lives and go chase down all the good things that God has for them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand. No, 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 let me hear a war cry. Ow! Nice, that's pretty good. Okay, you, you can be seated. Um, you know, I think it's human nature to avoid a fight to survive. And I'm not saying it's always the right time and place to fight, but I want to say of spiritual things, it's always the time to fight. And that a lot of what's going on in our culture about safety and about staying in a safe zone, there's, there's a time and a place for all of that. But let me tell you something, if you stay in that zone your whole life, you will never, you will never take ground. You never will. Because they don't bring in the, things, the good things that God has for you into that safe zone. You've got to step beyond your safety to pursue after what God says to experience what he has. I mean, when you really look at as a, as a studier of history, as a studier of the Bible, just our American history, you have to understand that there is a time and a place to fight. We make peace when we can make peace, but there's a time to stand up and speak truth. Jesus did that regularly. I mean, for the idea that Jesus is some soft-spoken guy with a, 
you know, wearing a burlap sack and a pair of, uh, you know, flip-flop sandals, walking quietly, making peace throughout the neighborhoods, begging for alms and, you know, holding babies and praying for old people. You need to read the scriptures again because Jesus, in the right times and the right settings, he's an absolute warrior. In fact, go to the book of Revelation. Just read about him there, the rider on the horse who takes victory for the armies of God. He's not showing back up with his sandals or his burlap sack. He's coming as a king, amen? And the thing that you see about kings, there are kingdoms and there are opposing kingdoms and there is battle. And he's in the process right now of putting his enemies under his feet. And the Bible says someday that the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death, right? And after he's put that underneath his feet, all things will become into, back into order as they were originally intended. But I do think it's human nature uh, to avoid a fight just like the Scottish voice that came out of the crowd. I see that that's over the last couple of years, there's a great fear to stand up and speak truth and declare what is right and sound the alarm because as you do, you get yourself caught in the middle of the opposing army and the rest of your army that may not want to fight. And in this day and age, what has happened, we've watched this happen in throughout history in the last two or three years. When you step out to declare truth, which is an opposition of the enemy, sometimes your army will back go backwards and be like, we, we don't know who this guy is, right? We've watched that happen over and over. But I want to tell you, that's not who we are as a church. That's not who I am as a person. That's not who you are. We've got your back. We'll fight with you. We'll fight for biblical things. We'll pursue God's best for your life and your family's life. And I don't care what the popular culture says or even popular church culture, because how many of you know that can be diluted for the same fears, I mean, there's a reason why we spend all the money to get in the building and get out of the school. A very real, very uh, reality, not that I'm looking to pick fights, but there's certain things that I would preach out of the word of God while on a school campus that if someone in the PTA or one of the parents heard, saw it online, found out, I would be in the newspaper for declaring God's word. It's not even, it's, I don't have an opinion, God's word, plain and simple. Anybody, you fall into that category. We, we are here to declare God's word because whether or not you think it's, uh, right or wrong to, to drown, in a, uh, drown in a turbulent water, or if it's right or wrong to throw in a life preserver, the reality is that person is drowning and they need truth. They need help to pull them out of their dilemma. And giving them a cup of coffee while they sink, while it might seem kind and loving, it doesn't work. You're laughing, but that's what's been going on. Well, let's go ahead and affirm everybody's drowning. I'm telling you, that is what is going on. To love somebody is to declare truth, to put your arms around them, speaking the truth in love, but not affirm. How many of you have had friends come to you and want you to endorse the stupid thing they're about to do? Family members begging you, they're mad at you because why won't you just support my decision? Because you're driving your whole family off a cliff in a car. Anybody? What did Jesus do? I mean, he's so, he's so amazing. He would stop the car, get everybody to safety, and say, don't drive off the cliff anymore. I forgive you. Don't drop, drive off the cliff. How many of you know if you drive off the cliff, you, you end up on the, on the ground on the other side? Oh, but I just want to do, I want to be affirmed in what I do. I used to want the same thing. I'd actually like to know the truth now in my life. Ever since I've met Jesus, I found out there's a truth, and if you listen to him, it leads to much better things than off of the cliff. I, it's not even in my message I don't want to turn this into a three-week message, so. Um, it's human nature to avoid a fight, but Jesus 
Let us know that there is a fight when we look at John 10, 10. It says a, the thief or Satan or all the opposers to the kingdom of God, they've come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that, that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so you can see a battle that's brewing right here. There's somebody opposing you and there's somebody who's backing you. We also read in Matthew chapter 11, 12, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. It just has to be something that you understand within you that God's got good things for you, but you better, you better, put, on your, your, you better put on the right outfit, okay? And you better summon that internal war cry. It's not enough to just believe in good things. It's not, just, uh, it's not good enough to just hope for good things. You gotta show up and be ready to fight for the good things that God has for you. Amen, anybody? Yes. Do you know that God's will doesn't always just happen? Oh, no, no, no. If it's meant to be, it, it's meant to be. I could show you a thousand scriptural things that happen that are not meant to be. The will of God does not always happen. The kingdom of God does not always establish its will because we don't participate in it. It's insane to me that God would partner with us because I know us. But the fact that he partners with us to achieve his will on earth is the reality that we live in. You have something that God has for you, rise up and fight for it. And you're gonna find the opposition. It would be great if it was just some horned individual with a pitchfork and flashing neon signs, here's your enemy but he uses people and uses circumstances and situations that you'll find move all over the place. There was one point where Jesus looked at his, his star disciple and said, get behind me, Satan, for you desire the things of man, not the things of God. And all around us, and sometimes even us, we are used by the enemy to fight against his purposes. Understand that. So, so in order to, to be able to experience the very best things of God, You've, they've got to be taken. That's what it means to suffer violence. The kingdom has been attacked and the kingdom takes ground by attacking. Not people, not one another, okay? But against circumstances, situations, opposition, sometimes that are in the form of a person, but when we do that, it's always the truth in love, right? You're not battling them, you're battling what's behind them. So we are not interested in survival. I am not interested in survival. This church is not interested in survival. We are interested in that abundant life for you, for me, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our friends, for our family, for people who will walk through the door someday. The last thing that I wanna do is walk into a church and have some deep spiritual need where the enemy has his hand on my throat and hear some guy get up in the pulpit and say, well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I want somebody that rises up within them and says, that's not right, let me help you, and begins to go to battle for me. And so whether it's you're facing a difficulty in your life or something that's holding you back or a sinful way that you're having a hard time of breaking out of or whatever it would be, we're battle ready and we do have a war cry. Do you have a war cry? Are you able to summon your war cry when you see opposing armies mounting up around you? I want to challenge you to bring forth your war cry. Sound your war cry because there's no such thing as a silent war cry. Does that look like a war cry or does that look like constipation? It's one of the two. It's not a war cry. You can't think a war cry. You can't hope a war cry. You, wow, a war cry. Some of you are like, oh gosh. How many times are you gonna do that? 
a few more. I'm hoping it's going to catch on some of you. Some of you face big problems and big situations, and your war cries, well, you know, I'm trying to work through this thing. I've been trying to talk to God. I asked, uh, listen. <laughs> Let me just jump into my message. That is, uh, I, need, that's, I need to do that because that's the answer to it. Okay, prior to the fight, there's a war cry. Prior to victory, there's a war cry. The Scottish yelled, Abba Grubra! Long live Scotland! We hear that in our modern-day military. Hoorah! Or the rebel yell, they said, the Confederate soldiers sang out that sounded like coyotes being tortured. Yay! That screamed out through the countryside that terrified the people that they were fighting. Or how about the Greeks that yelled Alala and Ilulu, which were parts of a poem that were about achieving and fighting to the death, even willingness to lose in the opportunity of going ahead and winning. It's death's holy sacrifice. The Roman baritus, the Roman soldiers had this deep war cry that started out low and it began to resound. And it would begin to rise up like a baritone sound across all of the battlefields. It was noted to be harsh and an intermittent roar that would build in volume and raise in crescendo to not only terrify the enemy, but more so to, to solidify every individual soldier with his patriot on the left and on the right, in the front and in the back, along with their commanders and along with the cause that they were pursuing. And so we see in Ephesians chapter number six in the scripture that we have from this morning, there is buried in those verses as they bring them up on the screen, at the very end, there is the call to have a war cry, and I've highlighted it. Now it says just very simply that praying in the spirit, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication, you're like, how is that a war cry? It's because maybe you don't understand what prayer really is. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless mommy and daddy, then my brothers and sisters, and then bless grandma and grandpa, and then those uncles and aunts and cousins, and Lord on the other side of the family tree, bless my other grandma and grandpa. Well, grandpa's not here anymore, but grandma and her, her new grandpa, the new grandpa, and then there's a list, and uncles and aunts, and okay, there's a weird branch in the family tree. Things got a little weird and circled, but I pray over all of those things, amen. And if that's what you see prayer as, you don't understand this verse, and you, you likely will need to summon a war cry, because this entire portion of scripture in Ephesians chapter six is all battle. It's not, Lord, bless anything. It's, Summoning up, facing the challenges of all that's listed here in the book of Ephesians, it talks about schemes of the devil wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, present darkness. This is not a time in this moment for God bless mommy and daddy. This is the summoning of the cry that declares battle that solidifies me with my cause and my patriots to do war on behalf of the kingdom of God in my life and in the life of others. And so we read there in Ephesians chapter 6, praying at all times. That reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where it says pray without ceasing. 
The conversation with God is meant to be ongoing, and really there needs to be a resounding sense of your war cry all throughout the day. The fact that you recognize I am always at war, not with people, not with the things uh, of this earth, but there is a war going on against my life and on behalf of my life for the kingdom of God to make a difference in the world that I'm living in. And that never goes away, even in good times, because we understand that there are attacks all around us, and there are people that are suffering all around us. Now, notice this. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. Well, I thought prayer was prayer. It's not. Not all prayer is just prayer. There are different facets of prayer. There is a time to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Well, not specifically those words, because they're not in the Bible, but we have Jesus teaching us how to pray, sometimes using those exact words or those concepts, but there is all different forms of prayer, and I think that that's what really leans into this idea of the battle cry, because it says to, um, to pray at all times in the spirit. It's a partnership with heaven. It's, it's we are aligned, aligned together. Holy Spirit, you live within my life. You are here. I am praying at all times with the spirit, and with that, I'm using all forms of prayer and supplication. I just want to give you three examples as we look at the Bible, different types of war cries that are really forms of prayer and forms of worship and forms of, of a war cry that I think will help you because i got to be honest with you, the win, Rocky, win, it's, it'll be motivating for a couple seconds, but you need something, a war cry that goes down deeper and pulls on the spirit of God within you to see battle results take place. And it's built into God's formula for your success. Where is this going to be used? It's going to be used when you're really concerned about one of your kids. You get bad news, you see something going on, there's some, somebody sunk their hooks into them, and there's the conversation you have with your child, which is incredibly valuable. But then there's the thing that you understand that I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling against my child. I'm not even wrestling against the influence that somebody is exerting over my child I'm wrestling against principalities and powers that are pushing on these things. Now, this isn't something we talk about every week. So, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, I got a flat tire, so I need to cast a demon out of my tire so that it won't be flat. Now, you just need to check your air pressure more often, probably. I need to kick the demon of bankruptcy out of my checkbook. Quick spending, that'll also be helpful. It's not everything is some spiritual attack, but there are very real spiritual attacks that happen in our life where we need to raise that war cry. So with that, let me give you a couple of the different war cries. Number one, uh, a war cry I would, I would recommend that you uh, bring up out of the soul of who you are is to proclaim your partnership with heaven. Yeah. You know, when you're facing a battle, it, why is this happening to me? Why is this always taking place? How's this gonna turn out? I just did the right thing. God, why are you doing this to me? There are lots of words and lots of phrases that come out of our mouth. And I wanna tell you, if you're about to get into a fight, these types of words are going to work against the outcome in your life. You might say to yourself, well, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's, my words don't affect the outcome of any battle. Are you kidding me? You are prophesying with your words to your future. I'm so stupid, I'm never gonna get a job. You are poisoning your future with your words. I'm just telling you, your words have creative power and you are sabotaging unintentionally your future by the tone and by the posture of the words that you're using. 
Now, I know your future hasn't come and there is some opposition, but I need you to see beyond the army and I need you to see to where God wants to get you. Because that is how you will want to talk towards your future, not recognizing the obvious obstacles or the challenges that are in front of you. That's not to ignore the challenges. I think people are crazy when they go and get a diagnosis from the doctor and the doctor says that they're sick and then their, their, their idea of faith is, well, I'm, I'm not sick. By faith, I'm not sick. Um, you're sick. Newsflash, there's truth. Or fact, let me say it this way. How many of you know there's a difference between fact and truth? And facts are real. Facts are, I only have this much money in the bank. But truth is, God wants to do something that costs more. If I focus on the fact, I will not be able to see the future. But if I focus on what God wants to do, it lets me see there is a bridge somewhere in here that God is going to have to build to get me from fact to truth. And that is the case of every battle that's ever happened in Scripture. It's the case where the, the one disciple, Peter, looks out over the bow, bow of the, the, the water, sees Jesus walking on the water, knowing that's impossible, but what does he say? Lord, if that's you, call me to yourself. And he steps out onto the water. Now, when he looked at the wind and the waves after he was walking on water, what does the Bible say? He began to sink. He took his eyes off of truth and began to look at facts. And I want to challenge you, you need to look on a higher plane than just the natural because we don't wrestle against solely the natural. We're wrestling in a supernatural realm for the well-being of our families. Yeah. In fact, it's really interesting, uh, this proclaiming the partnership with heaven. It's this idea that I, as I stand before you, army, circumstance, situation, thing my child is going through, diagnosis of the doctor, it's not just I, me standing before you, but I proclaim I am here on behalf of the kingdom of God. Some of you are afraid to say that. You're afraid to operate on behalf of the kingdom of God because your identity has been attacked so much, you're, you, you don't have the confidence to declare yourself as a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a dirty sinner saved by grace. You are far more than that. Jesus didn't die just so you could be forgiven. He died so that you could live abundantly and be called a son or daughter in the kingdom of heaven. And so changing your posture and stepping up and proclaiming to your opposition, I am here representing the kingdom of heaven. So that it's not just, I'm here to fight for what I want. No, 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 I'm here for what God has. And I'm not here alone. I'm praying in the spirit. As I pray in the spirit, I'm grabbing onto heaven. I'm immersing myself in heaven. I'm praying spiritual thoughts, ideas. I'm praising God. I'm worshiping God. I'm praying in my prayer language. I'm immersing myself. How many of you wake up feeling spiritual? Anybody here? I don't. I wake up feeling like, dear God, what's where did you go? <laughs> That's how I feel in the morning time. But then I begin to summon up the spirit of God who dwells within me in partnership with my spirit and with my words. God, I thank you for this day. I am a son of God. I'm a man of God. I'm called by God. I have purpose from God. I will accomplish, I begin to partner with the kingdom of God. And that's in opposition to my bank account sometimes, opposition to the five emails that are waiting to, to let me know that I'm not who I think I am. <laughs> not that you never get any of those, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's a declaration of partnership with the kingdom of God. Notice when 
Joshua went out to fight Jericho, one of his very first battles. It's really weird. They, they, you know, you're thinking military battle. Let's get the, let's get the swords and let's get the cannons and that's woo! No, he goes out there and you know what he brings? Trumpets and the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. That's always to. I, that wasn't very good. Uh, that's the best I got. I didn't. I skipped that class in Bible college um, to be able to make trumpet sounds. Pastor Rowena, she did take the class and she'll be doing. That trumpet sound here in a few moments for you, multiple different tones. And I, however, skipped that class to take on the hair grooming class, as you can see. And uh, okay. All right. So um, if you read through Jericho, what did, how did they win the battle? They brought out the trumpets announcing something. Announcing what? What was behind the trumpets? The presence of God. Look. You're defying the army of God. God's here. We're here on his behalf to see his will take place. It sounds like the stupidest strategy ever to the carnal flesh, to the carnal mind. And complaining just seems like it fits so much better. Calling five friends to tell them this horrific thing, all the mounting opposition or all that the doctor has said. And I do believe you need some uh, comrades in, in spiritual things. You need to talk with people. But I gotta be honest with you, that, that talk needs to be 10%. And this declaration of the fact that God is, 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 I'm partnered with him. Guys, take me to the next slide, okay? That proclamation that I'm in partnership with heaven. And you see that there in the book of Joshua. The seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord following them. And here's what happened. As they announced their partnership with heaven for seven days, the walls literally fell. Now that's a, a fair number of awkward days in a weird battle strategy where even people on your own team are like, what is he doing? Seven days. Seven days in a row. We got November fast coming up, 21 days in a row. Come on, it's time to do battle on behalf of yourself. Do you know that while there can be great prayers of faith here in this altar that people can break through for you, once you walk out of this altar, you've got to defend the ground taken on your behalf now in yourself. So many people will walk out of a great altar call and be like, God is good, he's broken me through, and then come back in. It didn't work. No, it, it did work. You've got to be able to battle on your own behalf for your own kingdom that God has placed you on, the ground he's placed you on for your kingdom. Amen. And so you have to summon that similar war cry. And so as they declared their, their alliance, their partnership with heaven, God brought the victory. That was their war cry, that trumpet and that crazy uh, Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God. Don't go into battle without partnering in the spirit with the heavens, of, with God. It's time to pray. It's time to not to dig down deep in your prayer. Next slide. Uh, our war cry is giving thanks in advance before the thankful thing we're thankful for ever shows up. It doesn't make any sense. God, I thank you for victory. You have not even fought yet. What are you talking about? I'm telling you what, you wanna read every great battle story that shows up in this book. Every one of the great battles starts this way. I wonder how things will turn out. I, 
we do. They don't start off like that. In fact, when you read in 2 Chronicles, the Moabites, the Ammonites show up and Jehoshaphat is terrified and he goes to the house of God. And in the process of being in the house of God and seeking God, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel and he delivers a word and he says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they'll come against you, blah, blah, blah. And so in the process, and when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. God, I thank you for the victory that's coming. God, I thank you for the victory that's coming. Not the, why is this always happening? Why is this falling apart? How come it's not working? Why are they so stupid? Why are they always doing this? Do you know that you are fueling the opposition with that conversation? I know you feel that way, but faith over feelings. We know that God wants you to win this battle, and so what do we do? We declare our thanks to God before the battle is ever won. Lord, I thank you you're gonna save my kids. Lord, I thank you you're gonna touch the resources. God, I thank you that you're going to release the promise. God, I thank you that you're going to fill this house. God, I thank you're going to fill every chair. God, I thank you that we're going to go to double services, triple services. Why? So that we could say that we're a big growing church? No, because those are people. I remember the day that you, I had someone, I don't have time for this, but I'm going to tell the story anyways. I had during COVID, as many of you know, we created a couple different environments, but we were committed to serving people and they could come and gather because the Bible says to continue to gather. Okay, and we got online and we had a mask gathering and I let people know I'll wear a mask for whatever your situation is to try to help you, to give you the confidence. And then we had a non-mask gathering and I don't know what could be worse, trying to serve three groups of people because they all turned on one another. And I actually, they, no, that's an exaggeration, but, but I had somebody come and tell me, how could, you, how could you do this? How could you put everyone at risk? How could you gather? And you know, I looked at her and I said, do you not remember the state you were in when you showed up in our church? You were hanging by a thread. You were in tears. Your life was slipping away. And there was a church here and people who loved you. And God was able to reach out and grab you. And then he, 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 you rededicated your life. Your husband got saved. Your husband got baptized. He told me to my face that all this was a crock of BS. He didn't use the, the initials. And then I watched God touch him and save him. And I looked at her and I said, what about the people who will desperately need God during COVID? I, you, you do what you have to do, but I will be here and I will risk that for those people. Amen? Amen? Because there, there are people who need to hear in their moments the fact that God has a victory for them when they feel like they're losing. It's declaring the fact that God is going to win this battle before the battle is ever won. Worship team, why don't you guys come? I'll finish the, uh, the third point here real quick. Um, third slide, or the next slide, because there's about 18 slides. Um, I think that part of your war cry needs to be a declaration. It's not just number one, the, the um, number one that, uh, I think it was giving, oh, proclaiming your partnership with heaven. This is the battle that I'm fighting. It's, it's partnered with heaven. It's not just on my behalf. And secondly, it's not just the give thanks in advance as Jehoshaphat did. And as you read the story, as he was giving thanks and as these singers sang, guess what happened to the other, the warrior, the other side of the battle? 
they turned on one another and destroyed one another. It's the most ridiculous battle plan. Hey, there's a big bad army out there. What should we do? Let's sing. Yay, let's sing. Sounds like some kid's program. Let's sing. Singing always makes everything better. This wasn't just singing. This was a proclamation of thanksgiving for the God who will win the battle, right? Finally, I think you need to, also in the process, you need to declare God's will to the army that you're fighting, to the situation, to the circumstance. Might be going into your child's room, laying hands on their bed while they're at school and declaring to the the person who will sleep later that day in that bed that the will of God will be fulfilled in your life. It's laying hands on a a baby that the doctors are giving diagnosis, this child is not gonna survive, that you lay your hands on and you do battle against the words spoken over them, the name of whatever thing they placed on that child and declaring the will of God to that child. It's looking at your bank account that has suffered loss and declaring to expand the will of God is not just to resource, not so I go out and buy a bunch of stuff so I can take care of my family, so that I can help build the house of God, so that I can be generous towards others. Because there's nobody who was ever in the Bible drawn to the poverty of anyone and says, oh, I want the God that you serve. And not saying everybody's got to drive some electric vehicle or anything. You can glorify God in your Pinto. I've done that. I'm happy to do that. I've done that. I polished that Pinto. I painted the trim with a spray can. It looked better than it did without it. People got in my car, oh, you got your own car. Thank God, God provided this for me. With an expectation of future things, right? But we declare the will of God to things that are not aligned with the will of God. Things that should be but aren't, we declare they will exist. Things that are that should not exist, there's an end coming to you. And out loud and verbal, and sometimes as we're praying for somebody else or we're praying for ourselves, again, there is no, there is no recorded silent prayer in the entire Bible. Show it to me. They're all declared prayers. And there's no more powerful prayer than the declared prayer that David prayed. You come at me with sword and with spear and with a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Come on, this is like, this trumps Braveheart. This trumps any regular TV show because this was a young man of God who saw his future and was willing to fight a, and a giant on behalf of the things of God. He looked at him and he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. He recognized that the words coming out of that enemy weren't just defying him, They were defying his people and the promises of God. Something needs to rise up inside of you that says, whoa, you're not just talking bad about me. Now you're talking about my king and my kingdom. You're going to be poor forever. You're always going to be sick. Whoa, that's an assault not just against me, but it's against the kingdom that I serve. You're saying that God doesn't heal, and that's where we, we go to battle right here. Anybody? Come on, stand with me. You got... Look, I'll fire myself up and go stand on my property and we'll be you here from your house. Woo! This day, this day. Man, that's a bold proclamation. Well, I'm afraid if I say that, it won't happen. I'll tell you one thing. You might be afraid if you say it, it won't happen. But I guarantee you this. If you don't say it, it won't happen. Well, I don't want to declare healing over anything. Okay, well, you just keep asking the powers of the cosmic universe to do their thing. 
or you lay your hands on somebody and say, in Jesus' name, he sent me to heal the sick. He didn't send me to pray for the sick. He sent me to heal the sick. Be healed. Oh, what happens if they're not healed? It happens. But I tell you one thing, be quiet and just hope things turn out. Let me know what goes on there. This day, not tomorrow, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. I'm not gonna poke you or kick you or trip you. I'm chopping your head off. And I will, <laughs> and I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild. I'm gonna chew on your arm and spit it out into the gutter. That's what he's saying. He's getting righteously indignant towards the opposition and just getting graphic. Come on. That all in this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hand. Our hand. Because there is a corporate war cry, amen? So we're going to sing this last. Do we have a song that's even appropriate for this? I didn't tell you what I said. Do we have one? Okay, so this is... I don't call them up, hey, I'm preaching on war. Could you give me a war song at the end? I should do that. A good pastor would do that. I just say, Lord, help them to figure it out. Amen. Okay. I'm actually going to do something a little bit different. I specifically want to pray for those of you who have struggled with having a war cry. Today, and I want to talk, if you're a teenager, look, your parents' war cry on your behalf is a beautiful thing. It's not enough. You've got to come up with your own war cry your own cry that's fueled by the heavens for your future and your family's future. Because that someday, if you're, if you're biblical, you're gonna leave and cle- you know, cleave to someone else. Your, your parents' war cry only will go so long and then you leave and develop your own. And you can develop your own now on your behalf, fighting for your future. Or specifically, if you have found yourself maybe challenged to even think in terms of this, to have this type of boldness, to have this type of faith, we're solely gonna pray for you to be able to develop that. And I want you to come at this time. Worship team's gonna take over in just a second. And we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna pray a dismissal prayer. I'm gonna ask those of you who are willing to pray for anybody who comes to the altar, that you'll join us to pray. We're gonna pray while they're singing. If you've gotta pick up your kids, pick up your children, we'll leave the doors closed. We'll be out there in the lobby after a little bit, after, after you hear some, Woo! okay? Some people who are gonna develop their war cry. But listen, you need to dig down. Your life is worth it. There are things that are on the shelf of your life that only you can reach out and possess. They're not just gonna fly into your hands. You're gonna have to battle a little bit through. So if that's you, I want you to come and I'm gonna pray a, uh, just a prayer of our entire church family. If you, you recognize that your war cry needs to be amplified, you maybe need to discover it, you need to amplify it, you need to begin to project it, I want you to leave your seat and I want you to make it this way. You're this way. Father, we thank you so much t- for our time and prayer. We thank you for these moments in the house of God. We thank you for the opportunity to be with our army, our our families. We thank you, God, that you give us promises within your word. We're so grateful for the word of God that says, praying at all times in the spirit, praying all prayers and supplications, that there is something that resonates up and out of us. Teach our people 
your war cry. Teach them how to be effective in prayer. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we want to see abundant life be upon all of our people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 